casual reader, casual listener, commentator, all alike, have been puzzled by um, one thing in particular in John chapter 21, and that's the amount of fish that were caught. John is very specific, 153 fish. So there has been, through the course of the centuries, much speculation on what this meant. No one really seemed, at least early on, to think that perhaps they just caught 153 fish. Commentators thought there must be something behind these numbers. So you have a lot of interesting interpretations. St. Augustine, um, this was his thought. 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7 plus 8 plus 9 plus 10 plus 11 plus 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15 plus 16 plus 17 equals 153. <laughs> 10 plus 7 equals 17. This symbolizes the Ten Commandments and the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. St. Gregory the Great <laughs> also was very attracted to the number 17, but he looked at it this way. 10 and 7 are perfect numbers. 10 plus 7 equals 17. 17 times 3, the number of the Trinity, equals 51. 51 times 3, the number of the Trinity again, equals 153. There's more. <laughs> Cyril, he uh, looked at it this way. A hundred is equivalent to the great number of Gentiles saved. Fifty stands for the lesser number of Jews that would be saved. And three stands for the Trinity who would save all. Those following Cyril thought of it this way. A hundred would be the, the symbol of the, all the lay faithful, um, those who were faithful and married. Fifty would stand for those who were married but committed to their spouses in brother-sister relationships. Um, and the three would stand for the small number of virgins and celibates in the church. I'm going to pause for a minute. Um, they are actually way more fantastical interpretations of the number 153. Like when you deviate from the Christian tradition, you have all sorts of wild things. Um, 153 actually is like a certain point up the Gaza pyramid, and that means something. I've, I've seen websites with 153 and have something to do with crop circles and Peter's, <laughs> Peter's net and all these bizarre things. Going back on pause to the early church. <laughs> These are all good. I got I got to share them. Evergius um, Ponticus looked at it this way, and this is like deep Pythagorean number theory here. Um, One hundred and fifty-three. One hundred is a square number. Twenty-eight is a triangular number, and twenty-five is a circular number. That equals one hundred and fifty-three. I don't understand all it, but you put it all together and it all makes up the whole history of salvation from the six days of creation. <laughs> yep, oh yeah. So into it was he. 
that he actually wrote a book called 153 Chapters on Prayer. And he said he was delivering it to his people in a basket of love. Which I find incredibly charming. St. Jerome, <laughs> Jerome, he believed that, well, he had read a, actually a, a book that described um, all the types of fish in the world, which actually is the number 153, at least at that time. So he believed <laughs> that 153 fish represented 153, um, um, well, just 100, just completion, like all the nations, every class, every race, every tribe, every nation would be drug up in the net of the church. And that's actually where most people, most commentators believe that that is the correct interpretation. That is the most common one that you are likely to hear um, as I was thinking about it and researching it this week. Some of the more modern interpretations, more, I would definitely say, boring. Um, just say, hey, fishermen count fish. They got 153, and that's it. But I don't buy that for a second. <clears throat> I mean, I do believe that they, count, they caught 153 fish, but God just works wonders. And um, in his providence, there has to be something behind that number, 153. And I would venture to guess it has something to do with the fullness of the nation's gathered in to the net of the church. Interestingly enough, though, as, a, as a, an aside, and I'll, I'll get to this sermon finally, um, there are, you say the Hail Mary 153 times if you pray the rosary in its fullness. So people have really latched onto that. But of course, that's post-biblical. If we look at this text and just read what's there, um, which I would say is impossible to do. Um, we're not going to get very far. Um, yeah, Jesus appears to his disciples. He makes himself known again in very common ways. Fishing, bread, a meal. Um, that's what he does. And he commissions them again to go about and to do the work that he's calling them to do. And it's a great story. But I believe there's so much more. And... That's why we get little details like 153. Two characters I want to draw your attention to of, of the few that St. John mentions. First of all is John himself. John is one of the people fishing, um, fisherman by trade, probably very into the night's work and probably deeply saddened that as they've gone out and gone fishing, um, they haven't caught anything. He sees the man on the shore telling them to continue fishing, and he almost immediately recognizes the Lord. He's the one who points it out to the rest of the boat. It is the Lord. They say it was John's deep love of the Lord that allowed him to perceive this man walking about on the shore as Christ himself. The other man I point your attention to is Peter, St. Peter himself, who when John says, it's the Lord, strips down to his waist and jumps into the water just to be with Jesus. He wasn't going to wait. Um, in fact, in some paintings I've, I've saw of this particular event, Peter's actually walking on water. He's so excited 
to get to Jesus. It's the funniest, funniest thing. It's a medieval painting of Peter just walking right across the lake just to be with Jesus. But I think it really highlights the way Peter felt, how excited he was to be with the Lord, even uh, to the point of neglecting to help others with all the work and dragging that great net in. It's a funny story uh, that we don't get in any other gospel. Um, the, the disciples seeming to go back to their old ways and their own routines as they are awaiting um, what the Lord is about to do in their lives. As he is beginning his great teaching ministry over the course of the 40 days led up to his ascension. I read this passage and I get the sense that they still weren't quite sure what they were going to do. They still quite didn't understand that they were no longer going to be fishermen, but fishers of men. Um, and Jesus had to teach them over and over again. So he does what he does, does these miracles where he shows himself to them, where he has them draw in a great miraculous catch of fishes like he had done um, at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. And shows them, gives them, a new vocation, and a new direction. They are going to go out, and they are going to cast a wide net, a wide net full of prayers and love to catch as many as they can. A great, great number from every race and nation and class and tribe and tongue, and bringing them in to the church. That's their job. And through... And because of them, it's our job. There's a great line from an Orthodox sequence hymn for Pentecost that says, Through the fishermen you drew the world into your net. And that is indeed what he did. Those fishermen went out and drew the whole world into the net, which is symbolically the church. The net that includes every race, every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every color. Everyone. Everyone. I pray that we would be full of love. We would have the love like St. John so we could perceive where the Lord is and where the Lord is at work and what he's calling us to do. It was his great love that caused him to call the people of Israel, as we read in Deuteronomy. His great love. It was because the Father loved them that he brought them out of Egypt. It's because Christ loved his disciples so much and us that he called them out of the world to do this great work that they had for them. Let us have that deep, deep love. And when we see the Lord with eyes of love, because of love, let's be bold like Peter. Let's be foolish like Peter to the point where we're able, to, we're willing to run across water or jump in the water or run without thinking about anything else and serve him, and proclaim him, and love him, and spend time with him, like Peter did that day when he sat and had breakfast with him. God is calling us <clears throat> to bring the nations into the net of the church. God is calling us to have hearts of love and eyes of love, calling us to be bold, to bring as many as we can 
into the net of the church. And um, like I said last week, I believe it was last week, you know, we're not all going to go out, you know, to, to Africa or, or even to Lansing and Grand Rapids, but we are going to do work here in Detroit and Pontiac and Rochester and Oxford and Lake Orion and the like. Each one of us has a little mission field. <clears throat> and God's given us this mission field and called us to work in it. So let's cast our net wide and draw in as much as we can. God's prepared this for us and he will make us able to do it. Let's love and let's be bold. Amen. Amen.